I want to give you just a little pre-qualifier. We are going to talk about God's grace this morning, but as you notice there, I highlighted received. Grace received results in transformation. So we're not talking about how you come to be in God's grace. I'll mention that at the very end. This is talking about Christians. This is talking about people that are standing in God's grace. And those who have received God's grace and the impact that it has on people's lives. I'm going to begin this morning. I'm going to read from Romans, the fifth chapter. So if you want to turn there, um, I just want to make reference to this quickly. Keeping in mind, as we oftentimes refer to grace, we, we just say, well, that's God's unmerited favor. Well, that is, grace is God's favor. His loving kindness towards mankind. And it's specific in the New Testament. When we talk about His grace, it's talking about the fact of God giving His Son and what He has done for man in regards to salvation and so forth. So oftentimes we're connecting grace with that specific act. So Romans chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our entrance by faith into this grace, in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Some translations say we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so Paul is talking to Christians, he's talking about this is our spiritual location. Because of faith, we have entered into God's grace, and this is where we stand. And standing in this grace, we rejoice. <laughs> I was mentioning to my wife this morning, think about this, bear with me. Maybe you don't see it this way, but sometimes I do. Sometimes we just kind of come to church and we just kind of march in. You know? I said, you know, we really ought to be coming in. <laughs> and that's what Paul's saying. We rejoice in this position that we have. And so that's what I want to emphasize this morning. We're not talking about how to get into God's grace. I'm saying if you're in God's grace, this is kind of the attitude, the impact it ought to have on your life. And so the title of the lesson is, Has Grace Got You? Now, where did I get that title? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I got it from a song. <laughs> There's a quote-unquote Christian group, and they sing this song, Grace Got You. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, look it up. It's kind of an upbeat kind of little song. I want to share with you a couple of verses from that song. This is one line. It says, have you ever known those who keep humming when the song's through? You get it? It's like, you know, they just, they're happy about this. The song's over, and they just kind of keep humming to themselves. So it says, have you ever known those who just keep humming when the song's through? And then another line it says, Have you ever danced because walking just won't do? 
And it makes me think of 2 Samuel, the sixth chapter with David. Remember that when he danced before the ark and his wife was embarrassed? You know, he's out there. He's like, David, you're the king. Get a, get a, get a grip. You know? But sometimes that's the way it is. You just, you just rejoice. And then once you realize what you have inside of you, then you'll sing so the back row hears you. It's like, now I'm excited about it. Sometimes we don't want to talk too much about emotion. (laughs) Because somebody's going to think we've gone, you know. But we ought to rejoice. (laughs) And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 5. And, And some translations say, we rejoice. Push this a little further. Some translations say, we boast. (laughs) This is where we stand. We're excited. We're happy about where we are. Grace makes a difference in people's lives. So in Acts chapter 4, and this is what I want to kind of work down through this this morning, and we'll begin at verse 32. Luke is going to give us some snapshots of grace and the impact that it has in people's lives. And so we're going to take a look at four of these, and then we're going to move into chapter 5. And so we'll kind of try to press along and keep and keep moving. So in Acts chapter 4, notice first of all verse 32. And then I'm going to read uh, through verse uh, 37. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales, and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite, a Cyprian birth, was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Their possessions they held in common. They gave according to their means, and the apostles took that, and they distributed as there was need. And the apostles preached with great power the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then there's Joseph, better known as Barnabas. And he's given as an example. And he sells a piece of ground, and he brings the proceeds and lays it at the feet of the apostles. These are snapshots. This is grace in action. And so I want us to kind of notice these and the impact that this has had on these people's lives. Verse 32 and verse 33. And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant, some translations say, great grace 
was upon them all. So as you take consideration of this and you think about what has taken place. Acts chapter 2, the gospel is preached for the very first time. Acts chapter and in Acts chapter 2, and there's 3,000 souls that are added unto the church that day. So the body is up on its feet, coming to life. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple and they heal a lame man. And there are more souls that are being added to the Lord's church. And then we'll notice in a minute there's there's some pushback because Peter and John, it's kind of focusing in on them and them preaching. And by the time you get to Acts chapter 4, now you've got 5,000 that are members of the Lord's church. But keeping this in mind also, there's pushback. And there's going to be a couple of times that Peter and John are going to be arrested. (laughs) And they're going to be warned. And they're going to go back to preaching. And then they're going to get arrested again. And then they're going to get warned again. But this time it's going to be a little more severe. And they're going to be flogged. And they're still happy about it. Acts chapter 5 and they're released. So keeping in mind, this is still early. They're still living in a world that is filled with political and spiritual and social darkness. But now you got a contrast. You got a snapshot of the world, and now you've got a snapshot of these Christians. These folks that have been touched by God's grace. And these folks coming out of this world that had all kinds of divisions in it. Men, women, rich, poor, master, slave, from all over the Roman Empire. And now they're together and they have all things in common. Snapshot. This looks different, doesn't it? Than this over here. Why are this these folks different than these folks over here? Grace got you? Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. <laughs> got an amen there. <laughs> that's what Luke's recording for us. This has made a difference. And Peter and John, they just keep right on preaching. So this is a snapshot of Christianity. And it's a group of individuals that are being transformed. And the transformation is taking place. So this is grace grace being manifest in the life of these believers. Acts chapter 4 at verse 3 or 33. It says, And great grace was upon them all. I want to notice though, verse 29 through 31. 
Now, I'm kind of jumping in here in the middle of an event that's already sort of taken place. This is the first time Peter and John have been arrested. They have been released, and now they have gone back to be with other Christians. And as they assemble, they're going to relate to them what it all has taken place and what has happened to them. And then they are going to pray together. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. Some translations say with all boldness. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They'd been arrested. They'd been threatened. And now they're back with other Christians. And they pray. And they say, Lord, be with us. And help us to continue with boldness. And then after that prayer was done, it said the place in which they were assembled was shaken. God was with them. And they continued to speak with all boldness. And others. And then in verse 33, it says, with great power... They gave testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These threats are not going to stop us. We know what we have. And so that's not going to keep us from preaching Jesus Christ. But it also says... Great grace was upon them all, and with great power they preached the testimony of Jesus Christ. I think there's a reason why. That it's not only mentioned about the apostles, but it's mentioned about the group also. And I think one of the reasons why that's tied together the way it is is for this. This message had great power. And that great power was being seen in this group. If there's no impact on the people that hear that message, what happens to the message? Do you think it's diminished? When a body of believers are seen being different from the world, that gives power to the message. And if the change isn't there, that power is greatly diminished. That power can be stolen. These folks are different for a reason. And if you see folks and they've received the gospel and they've heard the, the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ and then it makes no difference in their lives, then people are going to go, well, what does that mean to me? <laughs> but it didn't change them. <laughs> and so I think that's why that's there and that's why that's tied together. With great power and great grace 
was upon them all. It made a difference. Secondly, verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were with one heart and one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Snapshot. What's that look like in a group? They were of one heart and one soul. And keeping in mind, there's over 5,000 of them by now. From all walks of life, from all over the Roman Empire, male, female, bondservant, master, rich, poor, and yet they shared this sense of unity. All those divisions that existed before, now they're kind of melting away. And these people are coming together. And they're one. And they're treating each other like equals. That wasn't the way it was in the Roman Empire. But Luke's recording this snapshot saying this is the way it is in God's community. And that unity, it wasn't based on the way they talked. It wasn't based on the way they dressed. That unity was coming from a common Savior. It was coming from a common blessing. And the result was a common heart and a common mind and a common love and a common purpose. And so when it says they were of one heart and one soul, that's not saying the same thing twice. It's saying they not only shared the same mind, they were now sharing the same life. They were sharing the same experience. This is the way we now live. This is the way we now see our things. This is now the way we see other people. And that's what made the difference. And that's what Paul will talk about later in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, in you all, and through you all. Can you see that? And Luke's saying, snapshot. Here it is. This is grace being fleshed out. This is what it looks like. And that's what made the difference. Verse 34 and 35. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. One heart led to generosity that was now being practiced. Evidence. God's grace and a new attitude. A new attitude about the things I have and a new attitude about other people. Not one of them 
claimed anything they had as their own, but they had everything in common. Now let me pause right there for just a second. Because some want to take that and run off to socialism or whatever. What Luke is describing there doesn't mean that they renounce all private property or ownership. It means that they now hold those things with an open hand. Can you see that? See, there's a difference of when it's mine (laughs) and when it's been given to me by God. There's a difference of when I'm the owner and when I'm the steward. Can you see that? That's the difference. Now, I see God, I see myself, I see others. I've been blessed. I have this under my control. I'm a steward. How would God have me use this? And so they held things in common. And it said it was distributed as any had need. It did not say things were collected up. Everybody get in line and you get this much. You get exactly the same and you get exactly the same. That's not what that said. (laughs) What it said was they gave and it was distributed as there was need. Within this body of people, it was going to be seen to that people were not going in need. Can we see that? So what's it look like when grace has got a group of people? Luke says, this is what it looks like. Why are they doing that? Grace got you, didn't it? It got you. And fourth, verse 36 and 37. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here's an individual. Luke's talked about the group. He said, now... Here's an individual. Now, I think it's interesting (laughs) when you stop and take a look at this. Remember when this is. These are early days. This is Christianity being formed. It is taking shape. And he has talked about the group and how they saw things and how they saw other people and how they were seeing to one another's needs. And now he talks about an individual. Here's grace having an impact on this individual. Don't you think grace ought to have an impact on every individual? Yeah, it should. 
And so Luke is showing us. Here's grace having an impact on this man by the name of Joseph. And he sells this land and gives it to the apostles so that it can help the body. And they do what? They rename him. <laughs> this, is, this is now Barnabas. This is the son of encouragement. And we see him keep showing up throughout the New Testament, don't we? When Paul is converted and he comes to Jerusalem and he needs somebody to vouch for him, who shows up? It's Barnabas. Come on, Paul. And later, when John Mark, as a young Christian, wants to go off on the missionary journeys, but gets so far and turns back, and he needs a second chance, it's Barnabas. Come on, John. Come on, John Mark. He wants to encourage him. And now here it is, early on, and the body's getting up on its feet. And here's an individual that the Holy Spirit has decided, you need, you need a snapshot of this. I want this preserved. I want people to be able to look at this and read about this in years to come. And so there's Barnabas. And Luke's saying, that's the way it is when grace has got you. And it's recorded by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to, show, I want to share with you what wasn't done. They didn't build any monument, did they? Here's the, here's the Bar Barnabas monument. We all remember him. Or they didn't have a crystal star hanging in the assembly someplace. Here's, here's Barnabas, you know, he's a big contributor, and we want to be sure and remember him. That didn't happen. But the apostles took notice, didn't they? And they gave him a new name. And now he's not Joseph, he's Barnabas. He's the son of encouragement. Now let me ask you a question. If you knew Peter and John or some of the other apostles and they changed your name for a good reason. <laughs> How would you feel about that? The apostles know who I am. <laughs> would, you, would you feel kind of good about that? I don't see Barnabas acting all puffed up about it. I'm just saying. That'd be kind of special, wouldn't it? 5,000 of these believers. And he gets named Barnabas. That's kind of special. That's something to be admired. Maybe that's something to even be desired. So in Acts 4, you have these snapshots. The apostles preached boldly and they didn't let outside persecution stop their preaching. And their message was having power and it's evidenced in the impact that it's having on these people's lives. 
and the believers were of one heart and one soul. And having one heart, they had generosity towards one another. And then there was Barnabas, this individual. And the apostles rename, or, or Joseph and the apostles rename him Barnabas. And so you have these snapshots. Early days of the church. And this is the impact that grace is having on these people. That was the second point. <laughs> now Acts 5. This is different. Luke shifts gears. Yeah. So think about what has just taken place and how we see grace in action and the impact that it's having on people's lives. Now I want to read Acts chapter 5. Verses 1 through 11. Oh, I'll start just verse 1 through 5 first. And then we'll read some more. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. Notice that language is critical there. Some translations say, with full knowledge, the Holy Spirit is indicating this. This is Ananias and Sapphira, and they entered into this together. A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last and great fear came over all who heard it. You have these four snapshots. It's like before and after. Before, here's these people. But after they're touched by God's grace, look at them. Grace got them. This is the way they are. And then Luke just kind of steps into this next photograph, this next snapshot. He says, look at this. Because you need to see this. This time, what he's showing us is a contrast to what was genuine grace in action and now this is pretending and see the way in which we know that's taking place is because the questions that Peter asked him and then when Peter is talking to Ananias 
He's saying, you and your wife did this, but Sapphira's not there. <laughs> and so when you read verse 8, Peter's going to ask her the same question. Did you sell this land for this much? And Sapphira says, yes, that much. <laughs> Caught you. See, that shows right there that they're trying to present this as we sold the land this is what we got out of it and here you go but that's not true they sold the land and they got some money out of it but they didn't give all of it and so Peter asked him he said before it was unsold wasn't it yours yeah yeah it was. and even after it was sold was, was it still under your control? Yeah, yeah, it was. So why did you try and sort of pretend like you were giving it all and you were only giving part? You've not lied to men. You've lied to God. Had they seen that kind of thing done where somebody sold some property and then gave it all? Yeah. I think that's an example, the last snapshot. Here's Barnabas. Here's Joseph. He sells some land and he gives it. And they change his name to Barnabas, son of encouragement. This is very encouraging what you have done here, Joseph. But now Ananias, he does something different. Hey, here, here it is. Here's all of it. No, it's not. And if you had wanted to hold back part of it, it's okay, Ananias. You could have done that. But that's not what you did. You tried to make it look like you were giving it all. You were trying to make it look like you were more than what you are. You're pretending. Well, Joseph got his name changed. I'd kind of like to get my name changed. I think that would play well here in Jerusalem. People would look up to me. I would have a name among the believers. So as you stop and read this, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why would he do that? The praise of men? The love of money. Did Jesus ever talk about those things? Some men stand on street corners and pray. Why is that? Because they love to be seen of men. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and man. So sometimes people have unholy motives.
So Peter tells Ananias, you lied to God, not to men. But the other question I have is this. Not only why did you do this. Ananias, were you lying to yourself? One thing's for certain. If you try to lie to the Lord, you're just lying to yourself. Because you can't lie to the Lord and get away with it. Do people sometimes, and I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just saying we need to think and to think honestly. Do you think people sometimes think looking good in front of a church is the same thing as looking good in front of God? As long as I look good before the church. I'm okay with God too. And Luke says, no. You can lie to men. And you might get away with it. But you're not going to lie to God and get away with it. Some have read this and said, why did that happen then? And I think one of the reasons why it happened then is because this is young. And this Christianity is just getting up and on its feet. And what if it's found out? You can pull the wool over the eyes of the apostles. <laughs> you can get your name changed. You may get a plaque on the wall <laughs> if you're slick enough. But you see what follows after that happens? It says, and great fear came upon all. What's the message that God's trying to get out among this young group and to the rest of the world? Grace may be free, but it ain't cheap. That's a snapshot. Ran and I and Sapphira thinking they could just look good. They could just play at this. Verse 13 and 14. But none of the rest. I ought to back up to verse 11. And great fear came over the whole church. And over all who heard of these things. Now watch it. Great fear came. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico on Solomon's porch. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem, and all the more believers in the Lord Multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Did you see that? <laughs> Great fear, and the rest did not want to associate with them. The rest of who? The rest of any of them that could think like Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> but it said the multitude, they were being added of men and women, believers. 
and I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> that point's still valid today. There may be a lot of religious groups that can draw large numbers, but you want to know what is still respected? Godliness. And that's what hell is held in high esteem with God. And that's who you want to look good before. Not just before men. And so the point is being made. Grace has an impact. And it changes people. But you can't fake it. And don't try to. And so it says, now great fear came upon them. And I believe that's exactly the impact that God wanted to make with that. This is serious. Grace was given so that we could have salvation. But grace was also given to change people's lives. You can't have grace and not have it change you. That's just not the way it works. So that's the snapshot of great grace. There was great power. There was great grace. And there was great fear that came upon them. I'll close with this couple of thoughts. There's a lot of snapshots of God's great grace throughout the New Testament. Paying laborers for a full day's work that they didn't really earn, that's grace. Leaving the 99 to go look for the one, that's grace. A father waiting and watching for a son to come home who has squandered his inheritance. But when he shows up, you put a ring on his finger and you put a robe around his shoulder. That's grace. In the Old Testament, a man going out and marrying a woman who turns out to be a prostitute Israel is repeatedly unfaithful to him but will not break that covenant relationship with her. That's grace. A son hanging on a cross paying for sins that were not his. That's grace. God calling you. God calling you. To his kingdom. Calling me. To his kingdom. Because he wants to adopt you. And make you his own. That's grace. Grace is free. But it's serious. Grace is great. 
but it ain't cheap. Paul says, by faith, we have access into his grace. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Are you willing to confess him as Lord? To repent and to turn back and say, I'm going to follow him, give him my life? To be buried with him in baptism and be raised to walk in newness of life. Paul says, by faith we have access into this grace. Where we stand. And we rejoice being in his grace. That's Acts 4. Through the first part of Acts 5. If you're here this morning and we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord, if we can help you in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.